0: So, all right. Uh, so, uh, can I give you just a little introduction and then we'll get started? Yes. Okay, and I may have like a question or two. So, your first name is super cool. It's it's actually, you go by Tosh, right?
1: Yes, I go by Tosh. That's actually a part of my first name.
0: Yeah, like the, the latter part, like the last part of it, right? So, it's actually, is it Santoshi?
1: It's Santoshi.
0: That's great. Uh, that's such a cool name. It almost sounds... There's a lot of judo terms that have O-S-H-I in Mm -hmm. it, like goshi, koshi, uh, and I've done a lot of judo, it's Japanese. So it reminds me of a Japanese word. When I heard it, I was like, wow. But maybe just uh, a more Asian dialect, were you born in?
1: Yes, I was born and raised in the southern part of India. Um, And my name is uh, actually a name of a goddess that is uh, a symbol of happiness and contentment.
0: Wow. So That's
1: um awesome. Fridays are dedicated to um the goddess. So in school like in kindergarten everybody used to make fun of me because on Fridays in India you would like any any block you would go into there would be a bunch of Hindu temples and they would go on playing this song on a loop like you know yes. for the goddess. Yes. And so when I would walk into my classroom all the all the all my friends would start singing that song for did, me did that
0: did that bother you at all it did
1: actually I for bet. a really long time i would complain to my mother about my name how and, could you name me this yeah song. how could you name me this i think it took me a very long time to accept my name and look at it as not like people would make fun of but something which means more and you know i think that that came much later, I mean initially I feel, I feel like everyone when they learn about the name and their self identity, you know there's like a path of acceptance that you have to take
0: yes, yes, that's so. names are fascinating too. I like uh, just with studying history, you mm-hmm. to seeing different naming cultures, and I see a lot of different names because i'm looking at a lot of different parts of the world, yeah yeah, one thing that's fascinating to me is seeing names that like China called Roman provinces mm mm-hmm. It's like something I'd never thought about that I came across recently. I was looking at the Chinese reportings of Rome and I was like, they refer to this as that? And how the Greeks referred to certain things and how the Romans, it's very fascinating. It is. So, so uh, one more question before we get started, like I said, I just kind of asked you to come on the show because uh, I want to know more about what you know about just in a passing, like not be still the dumbest guy in the room on the topic, no, but, but, no, no. but have a base level no, understanding.
1: I, I, I don't think you should go in with that notion. Um, and I tell this to my students all the time, right? So we all Know different things. We all have different experiences, and we all come together to share that information. My experiences happen to be in the field of physics because that's what I chose. But you know, I may not be very experienced in some other areas. Like you're a you're a judo expert. You're like a kickboxing expert, and I I have just started doing it. So I think. We need to value our experiences and our differences and yes. and then, and it's it's very much as a as a professor, you know this too, right like students come in from a very different background and like very different experiences like I learned so much from my students, like most of my parenting uh experiences have been learned from my students because I teach students that are parents that work full time and you know that that do two jobs do too, and come a lot to school, of my students. and you know I feel I feel so much respect for them when I see see that because that's something that you know I did not like ever see or grow up with. So you know it's it's a very different experience, and they you know they they strive, they work hard, and they succeed. And I think um, I'm just happy that I'm here, and you know we're about to talk about my favorite topics. So. Yes,
0: well that's yeah. Um which I'm excited to talk about. Mm-hmm. Cause I, that's something that I like, I've been talking to Corey like, Hey, let's go take an art class. Let's mm-hmm. go. I want, I, I'm just always wanted to know more new and exciting things. So yeah. thank you for staying down and talking with me. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- can can you just like give me a little bit about your background? Like, when, how did you get into this? What did, oh, you, okay. where, did you where how you got from India to the United States? What, yeah, what, like a, just a brief, like very I brief overview. On
1: a boat, and I decided to get <laughs> right. here. No, it was much complicated than that. Um, so I got um my undergrad in India. So I I you know um everybody all of my family is in India. Nobody is in the United States. So I was you can't kind of say like the first person in my family that decided to go abroad, the first girl. I mean, you know, like my male cousins, you know, they're like expected to do this, but I come from a very conservative um, Hindu family, South Indian Hindu family, where arranged marriages are very prevalent and where, um, you know, children live with their parents until they get married. It's it's a very common thing in Indian families. They're very tight-knit. And the the culture is very very super duper important. Um, um, my mom um, uh, runs a school, um, so she's she's an educator, uh, and my dad works for the government. Uh, now they're retired, both of them are retired. But they is, your, were, is your
0: mom a yoga instructor? Sorry to interrupt. Yes, Somebody told yes, me to yes, ask yes, you about yes, this. Maybe Erin yes, Claire. Yes, she
1: does. She does teach yoga. So um, she uh and again yoga in india is not yoga here yoga in india is much more spiritual much more like the meditation kind of stuff so um and a lot of hinduism covers a lot of like meditation meditative stuff so we grew up practicing that religion um so uh because my parents are very progressive and uh they've always encouraged me and my sister to value education and put education before everything. Um, Once I got my undergrad, I was looking at different graduate school options, um, and I was really fascinated by um, um, like wanting to do something in the field of nanotechnology. Um, And I did apply to schools in India, but India is so competitive that I couldn't get into the top schools. Wow. Um, so I decided is that like a
0: population just because it's yes, so yes, many yeah. it's so
1: many people and you know like just the top 1% is also like a million people right yes. so um, I wasn't I didn't get into the school I wanted and then I did, I thought about it more hey what do I want to do um, and I always I always felt like physics was something that challenged me I I think this is not a I don't know if it's a good way or a bad way of going about it but I like physics because it it makes me work. It doesn't come easy to me. You know, it's like it keeps me awake at night. You know, I dream about yeah. physics problems and wow. that's 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 why I like it so much because it challenges me. Um so I knew that from from very early on, I think since high school I knew that it was going to be physics, but I think after my undergrad I decided that um, I want to get a PhD in physics, and um, and I wanted to see where I could do that, so I started looking at schools in England and United States, and what helped me pick United States was um, um, I heard that if you get into a PhD program here, you'll get, like, paid to go to school here, like, in India, you have to pay to go to school in mm-hmm. India, like, here, in, for if you get into a grad program here, you know you're offered assistantship and stuff like that. So that seemed really exciting, yeah. um, and that's when I decided that I was gonna I was gonna move here, and that was in 2007.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. So
1: uh, yeah, I took I took the um, so I had to take a bunch of tests, and I had to figure out what schools I wanted to apply to, and um, so I did that, and I moved here in 2008.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. What, uh did you did you go through any like culture shock or do you, do you like things? I uh, mean, what, did, what No,
1: actually I didn't I actually like so I came to Arkansas. So that's where I landed first. I came to Arkansas right off the bat. I that this is the first state I've lived in and this is the state that that I'm still living in. So um when I actually came to Arkansas, I found it very quiet, very pleasant and I I still remember my flight Landing at the Northwest Arkansas Airport, um, and there was lightning and thunder and storms. And I think that was the first time in my life I saw hay bales. Like, yeah. I've never seen hay bales before. And, you know, it took me some time to learn what it is called, what that cylindrical thing of hay is called. And that's when my friends told me it's called hay bales. My so. family
0: has a, a long history with hauling hay. Have you heard of this activity? It's something that farmers do. So when you see the hay bale sitting on the field, at some point you have to take it from the field and get it in the barn somehow. Mm -hmm. So usually, if you don't do that yourself, like a tractor at a big trailer, Mm -hmm. or if there's smaller bales, Mm -hmm. or either way you might hire somebody. So like all my dad and my uncles would haul hay. So when I was a kid, I would drive around in the field and they would put the bale on the trailer and stuff. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, that's amazing. So yeah, that was that was really fascinating because I grew up in a, a very big, very big city. It was like New York, the city I grew up in. Mm-hmm. So it was really nice to um, see that you know uh, Fayetteville was at that point in 2008. Fayetteville was you know pretty small. You know, our University of Arkansas had about 10,000 students, so it was like the size of Tech right now. Yeah. Like um and um i really liked it i really liked the nature and then i discovered the uh the trails like it took me some time but i discovered the trails and i i loved it and um i always liked riding my bike but then after i saw the trails I made it a point to ride my bike and you know i still ride my bike i rode my bike yesterday because it was the new year's because i wanted to celebrate yes. it by riding my bike but
0: that's great um
1: i really like that and i like the sunsets in arkansas because they're beautiful like any part of arkansas you go and you see the sunset it's, it's there's it's spectacular.
0: a lot of beautiful nature here yeah. there's a, a friend of mine uh well he's like he's he's been in and out of the gym over mm-hmm. the years and but he he like authored some sort of software program, Mm -hmm. like right out of his undergrad, or just when he was super Mm -hmm. young, so he's like traveling abroad ever since. Mm -hmm. And he's worked a little bit, but he's been all over the world. He had gotten in contact with me because he trained Thai boxing in Thailand, and came back and found out that we did some some Muay Thai and stuff and came in, but he's like out of all the places I've been, like Arkansas has like a, a lower population density, the cost of living, the fr- the air is fresh, and there's beautiful nature everywhere,
1: and people are nice.
0: And yes, i
1: really nice people.
0: Uh, yeah, I've you know I've never been um, to the northeast very much, but that would be the other spot there. And then I've I've actually never been to uh, the northwest very much, just like Southern California and mm-hmm. Vegas, uh, and all of that. So. But um, you know, most of the places I've been, people are nice, L.A. is a little
1: weird. I have never, It's, um, it's I weird. think I go to places for conferences and I think I went to um, San Francisco because my husband's family is uh-huh. there, but that's about it, so mostly mostly in Arkansas. I'm yeah. pretty happy with it.
0: I am ha- I am happy here as well. I yeah. like it, I, and I've traveled a lot in the United States. I've been mm-hmm. been to Mexico a couple of times, but it's a good home base. So, what do, what can you share with us today?
1: Okay, um, so I just made some notes about, um, um, you know, what how did physics evolve through our time. So this kind of helps to connect with your background because you're a history professor, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so um, like um, this is over 16th, 17th, 19th, and the 20th century. And what happened past um, the twentieth century? Um, so, I, so I, I have a question for you. Is so, um, what what do you want to know about physics or history of physics?
0: Well. <clears throat> the most applicable reason mm-hmm. would be that uh right out of the gate mm-hmm. in my western civ 2 class which i only teach uh like once every 2 years right mm-hmm. so i don't teach it all the time and i've taught it in the summer too so but i've taught it 3 times right mm-hmm. and there's a unit on the scientific revolution or mm-hmm. you know natural philosophy mm-hmm. so it would be kind of you know how can I fit this into sort of maybe an angle or a discussion to give it to a community college freshman mm-hmm. of like, hey, here's some here's some history of science. Mm-hmm. Here's, uh, it, you know, here, it, it, versus like when I I just feel like when I've gone I've gone through a science class, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's been different, and I've learned it, things, and it's just like, but it's almost like a different format. And then when I approach it from the history side, I'm like, oh, that's super interesting. And I want to ultimately, personally, be able to blend the two more mm-hmm. so I can maybe synthesize and, cont- and contextualize things better when it comes time for me to talk about it. Okay. So that's my answer.
1: Okay. Um, so I actually really like the um, history of physics part because any class that I teach, um, um, I start off with, like, where did this all go? began, right? And especially this is very helpful when I'm teaching advanced classes. So I've recently taught my first advanced class, which is for physics majors, they're like juniors and seniors. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did solid state physics. So solid state physics is a branch of physics that kind of helps you understand what are solids. So like, what are So, you you know, the periodic table Mm -hmm. where all the elements, you know, are organized in a periodic form. Why does that happen? Like, why do some solids have optical properties? Like, why why, why is gold so shiny and in a golden color? Why is silver in that silver color? So, those are like the optical properties of solids Mm -hmm. that are basically due to the way the band structure of solids is inside them and you know that's why they have certain optical properties and also silver is a very good conductor of electricity and heat and why does that happen why why does silver conduct heat and electricity and why does isn't gold and what makes a metal an insulator what makes a metal a conductor what makes a metal a semiconductor and all these things so um this was the first advanced class i thought i i taught and i had I had three students and hopefully, I think, you know, we kind of learned a lot about, um, we started off with history of solid state physics, like what happened in the, um, in the early 1900s that led to scientists going in this way and started talking about solid state physics. Uh, Because um, the year 1926 is considered to be like a, a super duper year in physics, because that was the year when um, um, quantum mechanics, um, statistical mechanics, and special theory of relativity all kind of were out. And, you know, people started working on different theoretical models, trying to predict um, things, the phenomena that were going on that they were seeing. Because until then, Newtonian mechanics, I think past 17th century, Newtonian mechanics was like the Um, the main thing about physics that people would know. So, and then at a college level, we introduce our students to Newtonian mechanics first, because it's easy to visualize things that are, um, you know, that are macroscopic in nature. You can always understand like when a truck collides with another truck, you know, it causes a wreck and that wreck is usually accompanied by damage to the body of the truck there's some kind of sound and heat energy that is being transferred out of it so that's a very macroscopic nature of under of looking at object but then there's also this microscopic nature where how do atoms interact with other atoms how do electrons interact with other electrons and how do we see them how do we visualize them and that is something that we learn when we start looking at you know post-mod post post classical nature of physics
0: yes that's that's fascinating right like somebody just kind of asked me the other day what I, how i would describe like our physical being or whatever and i was like well like kind of like an oscillating particle <laughs> i don't know like but like we don't see that you know but it's like that's something that's always fascinated me Is like uh we were talking about spectrums of light on the podcast the other day
1: yeah or like like you know string theory you know is something that is like these are like um string theory uh grand unified theory of physics um dark matter these are kind of like the cool physics stuff it's
0: a trendy st- yeah, this It's is the this stuff a, i hear people talking yeah, about the most it's, it's,
1: it's you can put this on instagram and it'll probably start trending because you know this these are kind of the words that attract people towards physics which is usually considered to be a, a very scary uh subject so um you know
0: yeah it's you know I just like, I kind of have this attitude where I can learn all sorts of stuff now mm-hmm. as, a, as an adult doing what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Being I'm just 32, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: I didn't have, I feel like I didn't have confidence to learn. Something like this, like it was like an intangible, like, like what? Like you would hear people talk about like, oh, I can't even understand that. But I've gotten over that hump like as an adult big time and now I'm just mm-hmm. like, let's see what we can learn. Yeah. I, Cause I I just, I want to learn new stuff all the time, so. um. What would you say? Is there been a lot that's changed out of the Newtonian model, or like what has remained? Yes, How yes. would you so
1: so we've like um, so Newtonian mechanics still works at a microscopic level, but at a microscopic level, you can't take Newton's laws of motion and apply it to um, electrons, you know, electrons, photons, or any kind of elementary particles because they're their own unique set of you can call it as like objects or entities that follow their unique set of laws. And those laws can be explained by quantum mechanics. So classical mechanics, I guess the reason why it's called classical mechanics, because it's pretty classical. And then you have quantum mechanics, which came in early 1900s, trying to explain how do electrons behave in a metal like You know, what is the band structure? So that that kind of forms the foundation of starting to look at at more physical aspects. Like, why is nucleus, like, what makes the nucleus stay together? Like, nucleus consists of neutrons, protons, and electrons, right? And basically, uh, electrons revolve around the nucleus, and protons and neutrons are kind of inside the nucleus, and they're like really tightly packed, and they don't fall apart that easily, right? That that's what makes the uh, elements on the periodic table, you know, stand, like be organized the way they're organized, right? So what is the um, forces that holds, what are the forces that hold nucleus together and understanding that and also understanding the dimensions of nucleus, like if you look, if you start looking at what is an atom made of? You know, and you start like zooming in that way. You're looking at the order of ten to the negative fifteen meters.
0: Okay, what what does that mean?
1: That means a Fermi. Okay. Yeah. So that is that is much, 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 much smaller than anything that's in front perceivable. Of us. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Like an, a human eye can't. You can't. Um, um, you know, we're still trying to like, we're still trying to invent something that will help us look inside a nucleus. But you can look inside um, a metal and see the atomic arrangement. You can look mm. inside crystals. So there are devices now, which allow you to look at the periodic structure of atoms, or the bonds between the atoms, or how the atoms are arranged.
0: Yeah, I, are you are you familiar with the measurement a picogram? yes so a metaphor I've heard a lot of people mm-hmm. throwing around this is actually from the fight world is mm-hmm. um, throw this picogram which is smaller than uh, a fraction of a grain of salt apparently yeah. into an Olympic sized swimming pool mm-hmm. that's like but it's a, it's this trace amount of a substance that could be found in an mm-hmm. athlete but these picograms are apparently like the maybe one of the most microscopic measurements that are detectable.
1: Yeah. 10 to the negative 12 is Pico 10 to the negative 12.
0: Okay. And what'd you say was, um...
1: Fermi was 10 to the negative 15. Okay. So a thousand times smaller than a Pico. Okay. Yeah. Wow.
0: All right. Uh, so I I have some sort of basis to tie it yeah, to. Okay. So,
1: um, and then there is this, so that's just to give you an idea of like what solids are made of, but then Coming to my background um, as an experimental biophysicist, um, I, okay, I'll I'll try to say this as non-technical as possible and I want my advisors listening to this, I want her to forgive me. Um, But I made tiny holes that were about a nanometer size. A nanometer is 10 to the negative nine meters. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, you need special equipment to make these tiny holes in a very thin membrane, a membrane that's made of silicon, which is a semiconductor. Um, And then once I made these tiny holes, like so each each sample would be in a three millimeter by three millimeter chip and inside that I would make a hole and then I would take these samples to um, to A characterization facility and I would image them using this giant multi-million dollar equipment that would help me look at the nanoscale measurement and like I would try to get the dimensions of that hole and once I got the dimensions of that hole I would uh, take some nanoparticles that were spherical in nature that were smaller than the holes and then do my experiment stuff um, whatever experiments I was doing. Um, and then the data I would get would reflect the size of the nanoparticle that I was measuring. So that was my PhD research.
0: Wow. Yeah. So yeah, so I guess U of A has some great equipment then. It does. For the graduate uh, students. Yes,
1: it does. It's a it's an R1 institution. So it does have a lot of funding and um and the facilities and I think the um, the faculty, especially the physics department is, is pretty awesome. And I'm really thankful to my advisor that, you know, she gave me an opportunity to learn things at my own pace. Um, you know, I'm not, um, I work hard, but I'm not, like, super smart, things don't come very easy to me, I have to just, I I need my time to learn things, because I have a, like, I take the longer Path of learning is. I want to. I do too. Everything Um,
0: that I've done, like martial arts,
1: I take my time. It's all been hard. Yeah, it's been hard. I take my time, but it is also rewarding because once I learn something, I learn it, and I I am able to teach it to others. And I think that that is that is that is a good measure of learning. Is you feel. And when you're teaching it to others, you're relearning all the things. So that's like a,
0: that. I love that about yeah. teaching yeah. is that uh, you do you get a uh, you grasp a different understanding. Like every time I go through some, I, I pick something else up. You
1: yeah, know? yeah. And um, it's been it's been a delight teaching <clears throat> teaching teaching my students. I think that's, that's like the best part of my job. It so, is. It, yeah. Well,
0: I mean, just that's the best part of my job for sure. Yeah, it, I was like it, it calculating office me, hours for you got here and stuff. It makes me
1: smile. Like whenever I have to interact with my students, it's the highlight of my day. Um, and um, yeah, so that, that was my PhD dissertation. And um, so basically, if you put it in technical terms, it's fabrication of solid-state nanopores and characterization of nanoparticles using solid-state nanopores.
0: Wow, that's that's awesome that you were doing such like microscopic yes, measurements. Yes, nano,
1: nano measurements. Yeah. How
0: long have we been able to measure things that small? Were you saying like okay. 1926 no, is kind of when No, so I
1: think the first equipment that was released into the market, <laughs> I think it's between 1965 and 1970. So that's when they started like, you know, I think 1926 is when the theoretical models were formulated. And by the time it went to the market in terms of equipment, it was around the sixties or seventies. And then, I think a lot of improvements have been, you know, made to these uh, characterization techniques. Like, seriously, you can go to UFA, you can go to their um, nanotechnology building, and and they have like uh, days which are open to public that they give like tours to, especially if you take your undergrads and go there if they're like anybody interested in what is nanoscience or you know just do a project on history of nanoscience and where this all started they will give you a tour and they'll show you all the um, equipment all the characterization equipment that they're using and all the images that they took using these characterization equipment and it's kind of fascinating just to see that just to have um, the ability to look inside a metal and see how atoms are arranged yeah that's like I I remember the first time I was like when I started training in the facility the first time I was in the room where this giant machine called TEM was it's a transmission electron microscope Um, and it's it takes up the whole room the machine takes up the whole room the user has a little avenue where you can like put the sample and then a little window where you can image the sample and a computer to interact with, but the entire machine takes up the whole room, and it's like worth millions of dollars and I was sitting in front of it, and it just it just made me feel like like this is it, this is what I was supposed to do
0: yeah, that's well, and then you were able to get a job here in Arkansas, too, which yes. I guess that probably i mean you're not too far from
1: no, I'm not too far far from uh u f a and I think that is a good like you know I still have connection to my you know where i came from right Mm -hmm. my roots kind of so
0: yeah yeah no that's great and i i um i think we're at a good kind of like part of the river valley conways is up the up the road Mm -hmm. and it's really not that not that far of a drive to get up to northwest arkansas have you looked at the um crystal exhibit
1: crystal bridges at, At crystal
0: bridges they have these two crystal exhibits i've only seen videos of them but like you can look into the crystal And it's the things that you see from different perspectives are mind-blowing.
1: The crystal planes? Yes. Uh, So I haven't looked at the uh, exhibits at the crystal bridges yet, but I do know a lot about crystal structures and uh, the lattice planes and, like, the technical stuff about, like, how crystals, like the patterns and and stuff that's part of solid state physics that's one of the bigger areas of solid state yeah you
0: mentioned you mentioned crystals a second ago Mm -hmm. and that that made me think of that display a friend of mine was just up there i've been wanting to go just look at it because seeing the video he would just kind of hold his phone up from like a different view in and it was the most complex arrangement of these different geometric shapes i'd ever seen it was like you were looking for miles. It was, it was fascinating.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really cool about crystal structures is atoms periodically arrange themselves in, you know, you have amorphous crystals and then you have crystalline solids. And in crystalline solids, there is a periodic arrangement. So you can um, take one part of the arrangement, it's called a unit cell, and then you can replicate. So you can stack one unit cell on top of another unit cell and you can generate the entire crystal structure okay yeah and you can do it on a simulation i mean it's really hard to do it with a a, you know you can't really take atoms out of crystal and do it but when we learn or when we teach students we usually show them a lot of um, simulations that are freely available you know even for people that are interested to learn about stuff there's a lot of i think we're in a in an age of time where There's a lot more that is available to us than when we were students. And, you know, we were, we were, I was in school, like, I didn't know what, what like a simulation was, right? Like, and now, like, simulations are very easily available to students and it's, it helps, it helps them to visually look at things and learn things. And I really enjoy that part of teaching because I'm a visual learner myself. And Mm -hmm. I feel like if I can see it, I believe it. And, you know, and i try to use that in my teaching
0: if i i like seeing and hearing mm-hmm. that's like the well, the way i take in and retain things mm-hmm. the best is yeah. if uh, i've been i i got these uh core and i both got these airpods oh uh, cool. the the bluetooth but they're wireless yeah. headphones and they are awesome I, I exercise more now because I have my <laughs> clean more house I do everything because I'm like listen to a book or an album and yeah. it's just it's at it, any time this so it's versus I'm even on social media less because mm-hmm. I'm just when I'm learning something new listening to something I'm just I'm doing something else I'm washing dishes or something so it's yeah
1: no it's I, I, I I really enjoy my um my bluetooth headphones um I can't do much at home because of, you know, I have to do my mom duties. Yeah, so,
0: yeah, I've thought about that several yeah. times. Sometimes you got to be able to hear what's yeah, going on. Yeah, so,
1: but I do enjoy like when I'm out for walks and when I'm taking breaks and when I run, I really enjoy my headphones, like technology, right? So, like, can yeah. you imagine that? Like, w- we were kids and we had, like, I see my son, he doesn't believe that things are not touch screen. Like, so when we, Go that's touch funny, TV. wow. He'll try to swipe it because for him, everything is very tactile. And
0: when right? we were a kid, that would be like a... Yeah. It wow.
1: would. It is It is kind of like it's good to see him understand things. And I have to tell him, no, that's not a touchscreen. Everything in the world is that's not a touchscreen. That's fascinating. Touch
0: screen, so. Well, you know, and we may be headed that direction.
1: Yes, yes, we are. And, you know, uh, the technology is rapidly improving. Like with the contributions to science, you know, everything like it it takes a lot less time to go from like a theoretical model to a working product nowadays, and mm-hmm. that actually helps a lot like every time iPhone releases a new edition, there's like this extra uh technological improvement to it, right, and picture quality or the camera or some some kind of scientific advancement so it, you can see that um it doesn't take a lot of time to go from. Predicting something would work this way to actually seeing it an in app in an application.
0: Yeah, that uh, the application is yeah. is the fascinating part. Are there things like um, combinations of things mm-hmm. like uh, applications you could see some of your work being used for? Like mm-hmm. uh, where where is this best applied in the world? You know so, what I'm saying.
1: So um, the, the PhD research that I did. Uh, was looking at a very specific technique where you can detect one single nanoparticle at a time. Um, and the, the biggest application of that is um, targeted drug delivery inside a human body. Oh. Because, you know, if you're targeting a cancer cell and you're sending a specific medicine to that cell, right? Yeah. The, that medicine, you know, that molecule of medicine has to go through an entire cell environment. A cell environment has you know some kind of electric potential that it has to overcome it consists of a lot of ions because our cells usually have like salts and stuff like that right and ions are much smaller than the medicine molecule so but ions also have charges around them and how how do the charges of ions affect the charges of the the molecule that is trans, being transported through the cell. So that that would be a large-scale application. Another big application that is actually um, out there now is, have you heard about uh, Minion? No. Okay, so Minion is this really cool device, and you should definitely look up uh, YouTube videos about Minion. Um, it's by How do you
0: spell that, M-E-N-I-O-N?
1: Minion is M-I-N. M-I-N. It's like Minion, but there's like a space between yeah, Min okay. and Ion. yeah. yeah. Um, it's by Oxford Nanopore Sequencing, which is like a, a big company in nanopore sequencing. is It's the size of your phone. is the size of your Android phone or iPhone. And it consists of uh, an array of nanopores. And what it is, is what this application is a, a very user-friendly application that students and people that are not trained in genomics research and Uh, nanopore research can do this too. So all you have to do is you have to load up your sample, which is like a a protein sample or a DNA sample or anything like that. Um, and it automates the process so you could look at the sequence of your sample. So you could get a DNA sequence of like, if you had a DNA molecule of some bacteria that you're doing research with or something like that, you could just feed it into the main ion and it would give you the sequence readout. Wow, Um, and that is sequencing is one of the biggest application of nanopore devices and in the early 90s um, the human genome sequencing was a very big area of interest and that's where all the project funding came from is people wanted to know how they can minimize the cost of genome sequencing so i think if you look at the um just from 1990 to 2010 the cost of sequencing a genome went from tens of thousands of dollars to under $1000. So you can get your genome sequenced. So yeah. You can know what you're what you're made of.
0: Okay, what I, what so th- that's something that I'm seeing people do a lot mm-hmm. more is like uh just different DNA mapping like hey, I need, yes. to, I need to take these supplements. Yes. What do you know anything about that?
1: Um, so I don't, I'm not like an expert in um, DNA mapping and stuff like that. But I do know that um, all the um, ancestry DNA kind of toolkits is just just to help you connect with this giant database of like, my idea is that you give them a sample and they just like, you know, figure out what your are genome is and then they try to f- match it to similar genomes and then they try to connect and build your family tree so
0: yeah uh yeah uh, cora got some christmas presents for some yes like yes that. i think, I think it's year. a very
1: popular uh christmas presents because it's I, I mean look at the cost of it right like can you imagine something like this 10 years ago
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's like a like fifty dollars for a gift pack. Yeah, or something. and
1: I think it's amazing that you can actually know who your ancestors were by just taking this small test, this non-invasive test, right? And that is the advancement of you know devices at nanoscale that helps you understand what is the genetic code behind your DNA. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and another thing is, um, a lot of what stuff that we're doing in physics will also help biology you know so like at at some point you start to see a connection that all fields of science are very deeply related to each other when you start out as a student you think like I know I remember being like very um, reluctant of giving into biology I would think like biology is super hard and you know I would never understand biology and Biology is something that I can process. But as I got further with physics, I realized that there is a point where everything I'm doing, you can see applications in biology because as humans, you know, we're made of millions of cells and millions of proteins. and this is all automatically happening in our bodies that we're trying to scientifically create outside in an experimental environment. Yeah. So we're like the biggest uh, biggest and the finest machine. Like, you know, we're biological, but if you look at it from a physics perspective, you know, we're like the perfect perfect machine that like everything works and
0: Yeah, I know. Like I think back all the time because like the times that uh I mean I had physical science in mm-hmm. ninth grade and mm-hmm. we did a little unit on Well, we did so you know, but mm-hmm. mecha- mechanics like yeah. you know, pulleys and levers mm-hmm. and stuff. And now, um being a jiu jitsu bite belt, yeah. I'm like, how could I have how could I use that? Because it's all about efficiency. It's all about um, achieving the most with the least. Yeah, that's kind of like there's a lot of a lot of work being done mm-hmm. in all of the martial arts training that like I do.
1: Biomechanics, yes, right? that's yes. the field that you are probably like more interested in. Biomechanics is something I've been. So I think uh running has been a recent interest for me. I ran um, two
0: miles this morning, which is not
1: I ran anything, two miles too. It's
0: not anything I've done in a long I time. I ran two
1: miles too. Yeah. So how how did you do? What was your pace?
0: It took me like seventeen minutes. Okay. <laughs> like I just had a slow pace. I wasn't really warmed up. I pulled up to Saint Mary's and I was like I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to run. I was yeah. thinking about it because I made this list of like things that I'm not comfortable doing really. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm uncomfortable. Like it's just like I'll just go do a machine. I'll just do the elliptical or, mm-hmm. or, um, the stair climber or something. Mm-hmm. But I was like, no, I'm going to go run outside for two miles. Yeah, it's, it's, I hadn't done it in probably five years. Really? Honestly, yeah. No.
1: It's, it's been great. Um, yeah, I actually enjoyed my run this morning because it wasn't that cold. The wind wasn't too hard. And I, um, yeah, I'm on. So it's been three weeks since I started running again. And I want to. So I, I'm doing this 20-week half marathon training. To finish the half marathon are
0: you doing the rest of the half marathon hopefully
1: that's the plan but I want
0: I want to do a 5k like mm-hmm. and I'm gonna keep up with doing some running like I've mm-hmm. just been doing all the logistics on my schedule for this coming semester so I have
1: mm-hmm.
0: workout time and,
1: and see so like all planned yeah and I think yeah. uh running actually helps me because I feel good like I'm not that was something I resisted for a really long time in my life is I never thought I was a runner but I started running last spring and then i hurt myself i hurt myself and then that's when i realized oh i actually like running and
0: what you did you just sustain an injury running and
1: um so i i got my first bout of plantar fasciitis oh wow
0: yeah i haven't haven't had that and i haven't really had chin splints or anything either
1: so that was that was something that that's why i took too much time off from kickboxing too because I kept going to uh, podiatrists asking to tell me what to do so that I could keep working out. What did you do? Uh, They just asked me to take time off and I did and I think you know the pain did not go away so instead of helping me tools to manage it they just asked me to back off from what I was doing and then I think it took me it took me about eight weeks when I, I realized I tried a bunch of things and I realized um, I started monitoring my pain levels and I was like, oh, if I do kickboxing, I still feel the same pain. If I don't do kickboxing, I still feel the same pain. So I should probably do kickboxing. Are you still
0: struggling with it now?
1: Uh, no, actually I feel a lot better. Oh, that's and I, great. um, you know, I, do you know Mama? Yes, I do know Mama has had it. Okay.
0: Yes. I don't know if she's still struggling with it, but I, I talked to her about it briefly and she just said that, um, tons of stretching
1: yeah there's certain yeah.
0: types targeted
1: yeah and i think one thing i realized is it's mind over matter right like i feel mm-hmm. like your brain is the most powerful thing that you have that you know you can set it to anything and you can do it and um i think it was just scary to have something like that happen like a prolonged pain it is, thing it is. that I- would happen and
0: I think about that because, like, I'm paranoid about getting hurt because I have to be able to teach my martial arts classes. You know <laughs> what I'm think, saying? I
1: think um, you shouldn't be afraid of getting hurt um, because one thing I've realized from being hurt, like physically, you can still a lot do of stuff times, hurt. You, yes, and once you come back, you'll be better at it.
0: Yes, so, I, have you ever heard of David Goggins? No. He's this guy. I'm listening to his book right now, but I've seen him on a ton of podcasts. He's mm-hmm. a Navy SEAL. Oh! But at one point in his life, he was 300 pounds. Wow! And he lost 100 pounds to get, to get into the. Sorry, I don't know what that was. Probably the dog. Oh so sorry. Uh, that's why we need the 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 neutral location studio. But David Goggins his 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 gimmick is callous your mind and he talks about going through the hell week and the SEAL training which is like like the last week I guess. Um and having a cracked kneecap in one one of the weeks. He had to go through it three times because he kept he freaked out one time, he got injured one time. And then the next, you just, you put your body through so much, but he's like, uh, he was talking about doing ultra marathon running. So he started running like 24 hour races and like uh, uh, a 60 mile trail race in Hawaii. He did all this crazy stuff and he just, he was doing it a lot of times untrained. He ran a hundred mile race and he's like breaking his legs, doing it (laughs) like basically like his shin splints, the things, the ailments that runners get, got so bad. Like his toenails and stuff were, but I, and he's just like, "Well, I knew if I could do this with shin splints or a broken pinky toenail, I could do it with a broken leg." And I was like, "All right, dude, you're you're out there." But it's it's motivation. I will say that listening to him is exactly why I ran two miles this morning.
1: Wow that's 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 a that's a great way to, you know, start off start off your day. So that's actually. Yes. That's that's pretty good. I run three miles on Saturday. That's the plan. So
0: I'm so. trying to figure out which I'm I'm gonna work out one day on the weekends. That is my plan. Uh, do you work out at St. Mary's or anything? No, like that?
1: actually, I used to go to St. Mary's when I so I moved to Russellville three years ago. But this is actually this is my third year anniversary of being in Russellville uh, of our being in Russellville, and uh, when I moved here. Um, I think I went through a lifestyle shift because I came from Fayetteville and biking everywhere to... uh, No
0: public transportation No public transportation,
1: no bike trails. And it was a very big... I think I got my biggest shock in Russellville because I felt, um, you know, there was no trail. I think that's what I missed out coming from Fayetteville is I I could bike anywhere in Fayetteville and I... I could not do that here. So it took me some time to figure out. I did go to St. Mary's at the beginning, but then um, we found out that we were pregnant, so I had to like go back a little on what I wanted to do. and um, And also I started my job, so I think teaching took a very big chunk of it me. It took me and like I,
0: I, it to now. Like really know. before I, I, I like got comfortable. This is my uh, third fourth full time semester.
1: Okay. So, so you're still new. You're yeah. just teaching for two years. Right? Yes, and I
0: not adjuncted like a year before that. Yeah.
1: But. So I remember the first semester I was teaching at tech, I was also writing my dissertation and I was also in early stages oh, of pregnancy. Wow. It was
0: You can do anything. It
1: was a mess. Like I remember throwing up in my office and then going and lecturing and coming back and cleaning you know cleaning it up so it doesn't like it was very bad and um um but I got through we got through I mean I should I should thank my husband for that to like support me through all that did you guys
0: meet in Arkansas yes we did we met at
1: um at grad school he he we were in the same program he came two years after me and
0: did he come from India as well?
1: No, he's from Missouri.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah just came in from just to just that. Came, r- came I didn't know if that was Missouri. like an international student because I, I we I, we have a student at the gym right now from China, mm-hmm. uh, and he said the same thing about mm-hmm. that you were saying about like mm-hmm. the part of China he's from is mm-hmm. so competitive. But um, he's in graduate school, but he's just uh, he's in getting his master's at Tech right mm-hmm. now and uh, in some sort of tech, IT. IT, yes. yeah,
1: I think we have a lot of international students. I think the international community mostly comes from the graduate school. We do have some undergrad students that come from Bolivia, uh, Mexico, mm-hmm. Nicaragua, uh, Venezuela. I've had students from all these countries that I've taught. Um, so I think, I think that's what is so good about tech, that it is, um, it is affordable. And I think students feel comfortable coming. Like, I mean, moving a country is a very hard decision, right? Like, you leave everything that you know behind. I
0: don't even know how you did it. And you
1: just move to a different country and start your life, right? And you don't realize the impact of it until you grow up a little bit later. But, you know, like, when you're, like, in your 20s, you don't realize how much of a change you're putting yourself through when you move across the globe, right? And, And that's something that impacts you it's um, more
0: than just hay bales it's basically. it's a lot
1: more than hay bales it's an entire like it's an entire universe yeah here, i can't imagine so.
0: like if you were to reverse the roles mm-hmm. like me like oh, i'm gonna go get my phd in history in india, in india. <laughs> i can't imagine like one of my mentors and thesis committee chairs trying to talk me into going to get a phd at, in hawaii mm-hmm. and I, I didn't even think about it. Honestly, I was like, I, I didn't look into it, but she's like, we can make this happen. You can do this. I got this person, too. you need to come. And I just really wasn't interested at the time. And now I do have a sort of a passing interest in getting my PhD, but Corey and I are planning on do, going through the family phase as well. And it's just like, I don't know. Well, I already have a full time teaching position so too.
1: Having gotten a PhD, this is my experience, right? You get a PhD for yourself, right? If that's what you want to do, go for it because getting a PhD is like when you were talking about the hell week about yeah. the Seal marathoner, right? Grad school is like that. And then, and getting a PhD is taking that inward journey in figuring out who you actually are because it's it's a path that is that is quite challenging and you feel really vulnerable. And, you know, there were days when I thought I was never going to get a data set to write something about it, you know, and you have to go through that to realize that it's it's OK. You know, the struggles that you're having, all, a lot of people yeah. go through those struggles and it just it just when you come out on the other side, you can be very hopeful that things do work and things do happen. You just have to persevere. You, you can give up and, you know, you can give up and walk away I mean, if, if you want to do it, that's okay. But, you know, if, it's your personal choice. But if you, wanna, if you want to you see it through the end, you see it through the end. And yeah. I think that is something that I took away from my PhD and I want to keep it with me throughout my life is if I'm pursuing something, I want to see it to the end and not, not yeah, give up uh, and yeah, walk away. Because I think that will make me unhappy if I gave up something and I walked away so
0: I took I remembered I had a uh, hernia repair surgery and I took a semester off in grad school wow and half of the professors I knew were like oh you won't come back if you do that and the other half were like just be sure you come back there was like all of this uncertainty and I just kind of and I I remember being recovering and um, doing I was in two grad classes at the time that I had the repair and it it took me out for like six months. Wow. Like I just, it was a a rough surgery. I like I um, I had like scar tissue. I couldn't stand up straight. Like where they, it was like a below the waist hernia, and it was very limiting. Uh, for and then I had like some nerve pain and stuff that persisted, and it was an autoimmune. I came out of the hospital. I had an autoimmune disease issue. It was wild, but. That's like six years ago. And that was it, like the, that was when I was in the Forge and I went back to grad school and I got my, I got my master's degree. And I always remarked to people about, I remember like I was studying for this philosophy test and, um, I, you never probably knew Dr. Bush, but he was the philosophy guy for, forever like 30 Attack? years or so yeah
1: okay. he retired
0: I mean, he retired like five years I, ago
1: I, I so I hardly know people outside
0: outside yeah outside I, it's her. funny I've talked to several people um and they're and they're like they say the same thing because I know a lot of the arts and humanities folks
1: I mean I do know uh, Dr. Claire because you know I yes, see her oh, yes, and she, I, yes. I think I we'd run a meditation club together and you know I see her like I see her at yoga, I see her at kickboxing, and then I see her. Uh, yeah, she's in the gonna meditation.
0: do hot yoga at the new gym. Oh yeah,
1: I'm really yes. excited about that. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait for your new gym to start. I think yes, that we're is something we're eager. That is uh, because. Supposedly, it's it will work better with my schedule when you guys start a new gym. And
0: we're gonna have more, and then let's say, hypothetically speaking, in mm-hmm. a couple of years, your son wants to train martial arts.
1: No, actually, I'm I was planning so he's gonna turn three in August, mm-hmm. so I was gonna bring him in August.
0: Well, there's a for at least, um. Every day, it'll kind of correspond differently, but we'll have a fitness kickboxing at the same time as some of the kids' classes.
1: Wow. That'll be amazing. That'll be amazing. I can't wait to bring him in. I'm I'm really excited because...
0: It's great for uh, development, coordination. Yes,
1: and I think he's very um, active, and I think he likes climbing on things and just taking off, and I think um, he's a very... um, very active kid yeah so that's that's
0: that yeah but I remember I remember just like wanting to do what I do now Mm -hmm. I remember a time when I was like in the grind of like just about to get my undergraduate but I just decided I was going to go get my master's but I'd previously I was going to teach high school so like I was like oh well I'm not going to teach for like you know so a long you, more time you, you know? went
1: to tech and then you went to u of a
0: no i went to i went to tech all the way through
1: oh you got yes, your master's got, in tech too okay
0: mm-hmm. and from like my um a couple of my cousins have got college degrees but like a whole lot of members of my family have not uh, i was the first like my parents didn't go my grandparents didn't go um, none uh one of my aunts went and i have three aunts and two uncles and my dad and it just it wasn't something that it it was like something that people and like me and a couple of my cousins did but like I'm so glad but I remember just like I decided not to be a high school teacher Mm -hmm. and then so that meant that I wasn't going to get to teach for a long time and maybe maybe never right but I was like well I'm just going to get my master's degree that's what I want to do then I can potentially teach college I might get a PhD I don't know the gym I don't know and but i remember pacing back and forth studying for a philosophy test and and wondering if i would ever do what i do right now and then like i i remember going to teach like my first class and like thinking back to that memory and but this is like i think this is great like for the podcast like hearing these sort of stories because if i i just needed to hear that when i was like an undergrad i needed somebody to be like yeah i've been through this and it was horrible but I made it.
1: Yeah, and, and and I think you just have to keep moving forward. I mean, um, I think you just wanna see what's the next best possible option that in front of you and not be scared. And I do try to emphasize this to a lot of my students is don't be afraid of failure because don't be afraid of getting frustrated. Physics frustrates people, right? I mean, you don't learn until you get frustrated. Right. And that's that's true in martial arts, too. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you don't learn how to do a move until you are like sore and you're hurting. Right.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. It's repetition. Well, like what you're saying earlier, like I really do like I have to copy things. Mm -hmm. I have to read it. I have to listen Mm -hmm. to it. I have to take notes on it then Mm -hmm. translate those notes into into type notes. And as many revisions as I can get going through the same stuff. I feel like just to get a base level. Yeah,
1: and, and you know and that's okay. That doesn't make you any less smart. You know, I think smart is a, re- a relatively negative term because that means you're comparing yourself to somebody else. Yeah. So, you know, it's um that makes you unique. That's the way you learn and that's the way it works with your system and that's totally okay. And you know, yeah, somebody can do it in 2 minutes, but you know, It's like, there's no competition here, right? You take, you be you and you do you. And and that's something that I do emphasize a lot in my classes. And I tell my students because I know a lot of my students come from first generation, they're first generation college students. And they're really scared of coming to college. They're really scared of talking to a professor.
0: I dropped out three times.
1: And then they're really scared of taking a physics class. So I have like the combo when they walk into my class because... It's physics. It's a professor.
0: Are you, you know? still are you in McKeever?
1: Yes, I'm I remember McKeever. being
0: afraid of McKeever. Yes, like I would walk like next to the library and I'm like what is that building?
1: Yeah, that's the science <laughs> <You're in laughs> like, building.
0: Because it's kind of like the back of the building. Yes, it's not really like yeah. where I would always see there there's it just kind of a so, weird appearance. So yeah, I
1: think I think there's so much like fear coming into a classroom that if I can do anything to get not get rid of that fear, just reduce that fear by ten percent, so students feel more welcome, more inclusive, and you know you create an environment where everybody can do science you don't have to be a genius to do science, everybody can do science so um, I think I would suggest is when you are teaching history of science or something like that, um, make it make it super fun, make it super exciting for them to learn about like in terms of history, just look at like a timeline or make like a, uh, a timeline chart or go do their own research and background and come talk to people like in McKeever, they can come talk to me and I can tell them all about like all the things that I know. Um, and I think it's just, it's just spreading that awareness about science will help will help a lot of people uh, not be so scared of science. I think yeah. that's a good way to start
0: i took well i was like i guess 26 or 27 probably when i took biology i waited because wow. i was scared um <laughs> and I, I took physical science too uh or maybe it was earth science i can't i can't remember what my second science i took was i took like the bare minimum <laughs> and i waited till the very end because was it like, was
1: the hardest class well
0: i d- i d- yes and i d- i dropped out a couple of times i mentioned and i just I was like, man, I'm in, in high school and junior high. I was not an outstanding student and it was always math and science. I had good grades in English and history, mm-hmm. but it was always math and science. So I just got out of high school and I had this view that I was like stereotypically bad. No. And, that I was good at the. It, yeah. And no, I overcame yeah. that. Right. Because no, I actually made an A. Yeah. I
1: think, in biology. I think it's, it's, you know, um, so the way we decide that we're good at something or we're bad at something is based on our previous experiences and especially with math and science if you haven't had a very um, constructive path from early childhood you automatically assume and you see this more in girls you know they automatically think that they're bad in math and bad in science and they can't do math and they can't do science and and this goes on a repetition from very early on that you're bad at math you're bad at science you can't do this and that's not
0: true do you think um like for me i will say like it's gotten easier and Mm -hmm. easier or maybe it was always maybe it was the teacher there were variables but i have like a lot of speculation about brain development Mm -hmm. like if you co- kind of correspond with when I went back to school and started baking good grades and got a 4.0 and a master's degree in, in mm-hmm. these things, like I was getting on the tail end of my brain development, you know, like, yes, I'm going to learn for the rest of my life. But, they, but there is a school of thought that would say, like, your brain is still developing till you're 25, 23 to 25. Like, do you know anything about that? What
1: happens after 25?
0: I guess maybe your brain starts degenerating (laughs) or or it stays the same. I don't know. Does it? I don't know. (laughs) You're you're the scientist.
1: Well, I, so, okay. I, you know, I'm going out of my field here, but my understanding was that, um, if you learn new information, your brain stores that information in neurons inside your brain cells. Right? So new information means more neurons, more connections. So the more information you learn, the more activity your brain, like, and I think there are different parts of the brain that engage in different kinds of activities, right? Okay.
0: So do you know anything about neurogenesis?
1: Neurogenesis? No. Or
0: neuroregenesis? Like, basically, kind of maybe what you're hinting at, like, uh, basically, you can do and take certain things that will help uh, disrupted pathways in your brain reform. Really? Yes. like.
1: I should probably google this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I
0: don't I, honestly um I've I've heard a lot of people talk about it because there's apparently certain types of like um mushrooms that you can eat like <laughs> shiitake and lion's mane and really? that that are that are good for your neuropathways like making wow. making um faster connections, So like better recall, better memory. Mm-hmm. Uh what else is something that is uh, oh okay, so this is something that um just the idea of exercise boosting your cognitive ability a certain percentage for a certain span of time, like that's something that fascinates me. But if you go a step further with it, if you count mm-hmm. while you exercise, mm-hmm. that's supposed to help. help your help your brain in in terms of like some of these things we're talking about.
1: Wow. I I do agree with exercise making you feel better. I like enjoy the benefits of exercise all the time, and I always like I can tell. I don't feel good when I don't work out. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have to work out. That's a part of my day is I do need to do some kind of physical activity because that makes me more happier. And, you do know, you have any
0: rest makes... days where you just, I like, don't do anything?
1: No, actually not. I uh, Because I have a very active child. I know there are days when... Yeah. Um I do get to sleep in a lot, and thanks to my husband again, you know he like wakes up and takes care of the baby in the mornings but um, we we don't we have to do something we either go to the park or you Bikes know go or something like that and it's 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 a very um active active i I think I have days when I don't like when i do just do yoga and nothing else, but at least I do something and mm-hmm. I, and I think that's a part of my day and i do do realize that working out helps me be more present with the day and not worry about the past or the future so
0: yeah that's again like why i'm loving the audiobooks is mm-hmm. because there's it's more time i'm engaged
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i've just been like budgeting out mm-hmm. all my thought time so i don't like get in a, a habit of thinking negative thoughts or do you, something do you, you know? write? I write, uh, very like, I've got to, like, one of my, I'm going to start putting um, some Post-its on my mirror in here Mm -hmm. in my bathroom I use in the morning to get ready. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, But I'm going to start, like, one of the first Post-its is write chapter one of my first book. Cool. Right? So, um, but I want to start journaling, and another one of those Post-its is, like, I played music for, since I was 15, since I was in, like, junior high school. And, uh, I'm, and I've always played guitar and played music, but I've never really written any, any lyrics or anything to go with it. So I'm gonna start doing, I'm gonna start focusedly writing like more poetry and lyrics and things like that. Because I just, I don't have a process for it. And that's like, I've just got a lot more logistical about everything. Cool. So.
1: Yeah, I think that is one of the things that I, I really wanna get into is I want to write more.
0: I thought about doing, uh, you know, there, I don't know one around here, there's one in Clarksville. I'm sure, but writer's groups, Hmm. right? Um, The, um, like, for example, the author of uh, Fight Club, Hmm. and he's written many other things. Choke is another one. But he just basically in his hometown finds some group of people like me and you and, you know, Charlene from down the street or whatever, and they all get together and they're like, hey, I wrote this story. Right, or and there's kind- it's kind of a guided activity, I know a lady in Clarksville that does it, but I wanted to do more stuff like that because uh you know I've had some authors on the podcast that have given me some inspiration to like build in the processes, and that's what i I really need of like and it kind of comes down to the consensus of you had to write every day,
1: yeah, yeah, so I think
0: journaling yeah, yeah and some I, other I, things. I do
1: writing was one of my biggest hangups that I had in grad school, and I was in this mindset of that. I will never be able to write my dissertation.
0: I, my thesis was 130-something pages. Yeah,
1: and I was so scared and intimidated by it. But once I started writing it, I actually enjoyed the process of writing my my dissertation. And I...
0: How long I, was it?
1: Um, it was not very long. I think I ended up at like 150 pages. So, like with everything, like bibliography and everything. But uh, um, I found my writing style. And I, you know, I, I really enjoyed like making figures from my data and and things like that yes. and i i i was very happy about it and then um and then now i think i'm going to write you know just journal about my day and journal about my thoughts journal about a what lot makes, of
0: people i have in researching journal and that's i just want to start doing it I actually almost i have a notebook there on the table that i was like I, it's a three-subject notebook, and I, I have kind of like martial arts, and one <laughs> one of the subjects is like just kind of because I take so many notes and thoughts on martial arts, but then it's like I got a section is kind of like my musical thoughts and songs i've been working on arranging and then also just like a general like i read this in this book like the mirror yeah, like the yeah, mirror thing yeah, i got that out of the yeah, book
1: actually i yeah i've been i've been reading so over christmas i read a book called atomic habits by Hey, oh i Chase saw that Clear. yeah
0: i saw that on audible
1: uh, yeah it is actually fascinating the book is like awesome and um i didn't realize it was on audible i haven't actually re- listened to any of the audiobooks yet so maybe i should try to do that next but it was so helpful in understanding how you make habits and like how how should, you should make would more you faster.
0: recommend that i get I, it yes
1: i would totally recommend you get it and you read it or you listen to it uh but it's been it's been like very intuitive in understanding that you know you're following this four-step procedure of forming a habit that you have a cue and then you like make it really visible like how you get into a habit of browsing social media or going to Reddit or something like that, right? Because you make it really exciting for yourself and you automatically do it without even thinking about it, right? I joke and with
0: people that we're like a goldfish in that yeah. way. Like we just get on a circuit where we're just like... Yeah. Or watching a movie and then we're like, look at our like, phone yeah. and are like, like oh, no, a, no. It's a
1: trigger, right? As soon as it buzzes, you want to know what's in there because it's a very exciting thing. And just a, yeah,
0: it's stimulus. It's, it is.
1: And I think uh, habits are that way too. And I think for me, I... I want to be very self-reflective about the habits that I learn because, being a professor, you know, we also serve the role of being a role model to our students, right? Where we have to be very positive and be very uplifting and be approachable at the same time. And it's always good to take a step back and look at yourself and say, "Hey, are you being positive? Are you being uplifting? And are you are you helping, you know, mm. encouraging people?" Right?
0: Yeah, you know, like I. I know I've had limited interactions mm-hmm. with you before asking you if you mm-hmm. want to do a podcast, but I just seen you and seen how you interacted with Cora at the gym, and I talked to you a time or two, like when Cora was sick that one day. Mm-hmm. I saw yes, I gym. got
1: really worried. I mean, yeah, Cora, Cora is a very big part of my life, and I don't know if Cora knows this about it. I don't want to, I don't want to sound like stalkery or creepy, but. For me, working out with Cora is a very, very important day of important thing in my week. If I don't see, don't work out with Cora, I feel like my workouts are not done. So
0: it's and she's that for so many people and kids. Yes, and that's that, so
1: inspirational, right? Like it's 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 so important that for me, kickboxing means hanging out with Cora and like doing the waltz and listening to her stories. You know, that's that's the image I have in my head. And yeah. Um, it's it's so empowering like uh, that 's another thing is I actually felt much better coming to uh, Forza than I ever did anywhere else in Russellville. you know I felt like you guys make it a very friendly, open community which which I think is you know like i 've seen people of all ages, all shapes like the 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 energy that you have when you walk into that space is much different. Like
0: That's what we want. Everybody's I mean, so
1: happy and everybody's trying and and that's 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 very good. You
0: know? Yeah, so I if you weren't approachable I wouldn't ask you to come mm-hmm. on the pod. So you're you're an approachable professor and I'd had a couple of your students come in and, and they say, like hey Doctor Nandivada, she trains here and I'd be like yeah she did. but a, a couple of people came in and they just had really good things to say about you too so um i just wanted to see you know like
1: no no I'm, you I'm, could
0: be my my conduit to knowing more uh from the scientific yes, community and
1: more about teaching i know i'm learning how to teach and i'm learning i feel like teaching is such a big um like it's such a massive thing you know you always you you've had certain kind of teachers you know that were like that were always by the whiteboard and that would write on the whiteboard. Like, you know, we, we grew up in a much more traditional classroom environment, right? And now the focus has been shifted more towards students, right? We want to be teachers that help our students succeed, right? So we have to learn how to be that kind of teachers and how not to be the teachers that are like, you know always near the whiteboard or the blackboard and away we want to be with the students and I think that's the transition that I have been actively trying to make as a professor is how do I build my classroom around student learning and you know how do I and it's it's a lot of work right And you know like you know like teaching is one of the um it's you have to think about your students all the time like there's no weekend off and like you I know. Have to prep. Yeah. You have to do. You have to continuously. You're engaged continuously with like thinking about. Are my students? I always get worried when I write a test because I feel like uh, I don't gauge the quality of my test because I wrote it and no matter uh, because I wrote it, I can do it in 15 minutes. But then my students, when I give the test, and I can see it in their faces that they're they're like nervous and they're worried, and you know that just makes me feel bad. So I try to like really, really work with them before the test so I can know what areas they're having problems so I don't try to, you know, I don't try to ask too many questions on that. And also, like, test writing is an own game in itself, right? Like, you can write hard tests, you can write easy tests, and but writing a good test that helps students learn or present their learning is, is a difficulty. And, you know, there are so many areas of teaching that I am just, like exposed to now that I wasn't as, you know, as a student at all. So. Well,
0: and that's just the technological changes, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Claire was talking about some things she does for students, the, for either test or test reviews. And, um, she was talking about like doing group work mm-hmm. for like test test reviews and, and certain exams and stuff to where it's like hey y'all get in a group and 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 work together yeah peer to peer come line. up yeah. with the answer yeah
1: yeah and that, and I think that is something that I like I, when I was a student nobody ever told me to work in a group right I w- it was always like you're competing with this other person, so you have to do better than this other person, right? It was a very competitive, not like cooperative, right? And now we're moving into an era where cooperative learning, like if you look at um, industries, if you look at any kind of leadership roles, right? It's more of a flat structure that everybody's aiming to where everybody's treated equally, respectfully. And, you know, you try to connect with people instead of, Just saying that I'm your boss or, you know, I'm the I'm the CEO of the company. You're trying to like have that human connection with everybody that you work with, build trust so that everybody is more engaged in in doing whatever they're doing. And I think classroom is a very dynamic environment. And if you if you don't make students comfortable You know, it's, it's, you, you have to work with them for 16 weeks and it's not going to be a pleasant environment. So,
0: yes. Yeah. Like what's, what is your largest class size?
1: My largest class size has been 40 students. Okay. I'm 30,
0: 32 is my, all my classes are 32. But but
1: I do have to say like one thing is students from Arkansas are very, um, very respectful. I've like always had students, even if they don't like me, they always call me ma'am and you know, like they try to like they try to communicate with me I think that's 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 like I find that amazing.
0: It is. It's hard. It like it, it. It's weird. It's hard for me not to call people like Dr. Nandivada because <laughs> I went into a thesis defense the other day and uh, was talking with Dr. Peter Dacoma. Do you mm-hmm.
1: know him? No, I don't know him.
0: Well, he teaches like history, Christianity, and the Middle Ages, Renaissance, uh, yeah. Reformation, some uh, Scientific Revolution and stuff. Now that but Jenkins may teach the Scientific Revolution. They started. They do that differently now. They they do Scientific Revolution, Enlightenment, and the french revolution all in one class now and it used to all be different classes wow yeah that's my first test in civ 2 I've, I've
1: never taken history but ever yeah in my life. It, these
0: are some fascinating topics that i just rattled off but dr dykemo was like oh call me peter and I was like, "What? <laughs> I can't yeah. do that." Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I do know. I do notice a lot of my students call me Mrs. Nandivada. They can't say my last name, so it, it's it usually comes out. I I go by Dr. Ann. That's what I told my students to call me uh, because did I pronounce
0: name. it correctly? Nandivada. Uh, Nandivada. Nande.
1: It's a, it's the lower D.
0: Okay, Ananda. Nandi. Nandi.
1: Nandi is the. So you know about Lord Shiva? Hmm? So Shiva is one of the gods. Oh, oh yes, 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 yes. His Um, his pet is Nandi, the bull. So the place where Nandi is from is called Nandavada.
0: Ooh, I got to look into that because, you know, um, the island of Crete mm-hmm. in the Mediterranean, they, that's where the story of the Minotaur comes from. Oh, and, really? And King Minos. Yes,
1: yes, yeah. Yes. So, yes, that is really fascinating. The, the
0: early cultures deification of the bull is fascinating yeah. to me. So,
1: mythology is like, you know, kind of overlaps yeah. if you look at that. So, yeah, I, I call, I asked them to call me Dr. N because it's so much easier for them to like, like, if they can't say my name, they're not going to come talk to me and if they are struggling to say my name definitely they're not going to talk to me. You
0: you so. definitely have an easier name than some of the professors <laughs> I've I've seen over the years. I've never really had a a professor with a complicated last name but um you know.
1: Yeah, so I I don't know. I just I'm learning a lot and I think teaching teaching is hard but I like it. I think I I really enjoy my time when I s- spend with while teaching or just engaging with students. I think that is very valuable because I do get to learn how people learn and I like, I'm fascinated by that, so.
0: Yeah, uh, like one other one quick question, and then we can we can wrap it okay. up, and and or we can keep talking. We've gone on, and like uh, it's a kind of conversation. Oh, Do you want to? Yeah, exactly. The, See, like, it just the, flies by. Oh
1: my by. god, you're you are. I think I was so nervous about most like, people are
0: their first time.
1: I know. So yeah, we could we could wrap it up
0: because well, I we'll wrap know. it up, and and hopefully um, in a few weeks or a few months, yeah, you sure, come sure. back on, right? Yes,
1: and um and yeah, I can tell you more about. Um, you know, I can probably bring well, some pictures well,
0: or with something. the nanotech. Now that's fast I'm gonna be thinking about that mm-hmm. but this is what where does so like you're talking about delivery
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, drug delivery? Yes that what role is AI gonna play in that like I mean is, it's not gonna be a human being doing what you're talking about right? Um,
1: okay so with AI and machine learning and neural networks, so this is like a big field that's going to be very, um, very, very popular in Mm -hmm. the next few years, right? I think that we're just building up to um, stuff like that. But uh, the targeted drug delivery, the targeted, um, you know, the targeted technology, it's going to be a very instrument specific thing. And also the pathways that the nanoparticle takes or the drug molecule takes in your cell environment that should be well studied, right? It's not, you know, you can't have a small device to just go, like you can get it in an area around the cell, but that path needs to be, you know, taken by the the molecule itself. So that, that is a very specific path that the molecule is going to take, depends on the surface chemistry of the molecule, depends on like what is on the surface of the molecule, what's the size of the molecule, what is the cell environment it's introduced to. So that's that field is called electrokinetics
0: okay okay
1: so that is an entirely another field which overlaps a lot of physics and chemistry which you can look up because i I will
0: that's why i'm kind of yeah i'm kind of taking some notes because some of this stuff i've i try to make more of a habit of just looking up things i've never Mm -hmm. heard of Mm -hmm. because honestly most people be like you would say electrokinetics and they're going to be like yeah i know what that means (laughs) And they don't look it up. Like, I, somebody did kind of an experiment on me to where they, like, were focusedly said a a word to me, or a paragraph, and the, they had a weird word in it, and I, I I didn't think about what the word meant. I just prescribed a meaning to it. I'd never heard the word. And it changed, once he told me what the word meant, it changed the context of our whole conversation. He did it as, like, a thought exercise on me. It was my friend who's a Scientologist. <laughs> It's apparently an exercise that they do.
1: Wow.
0: Right? But he blew my mind with it, right? So I'm like, man, I'm going to start looking up words yeah, more you focusedly. You I know. You know,
1: you should. And electrokinetics is a very safe word and has nothing to do with Scientology. Okay.
0: So, yeah, I will get ads. Yes. <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> electrokinetics is looking at how charged particles behave in an electrolyte, which is, you know, which is a salt, basically sodium chloride or potassium chloride. How do charged particles behave mm. when they're surrounded by ions? And that's the electrokinetics okay. of charged particles. So All right, I will yeah. look into it. Okay. That's yeah. fa-
0: that's fascinating. That gives me some now I have a little pocket of information to learn some more about and
1: uh Yeah, definitely read the book or get the audible for atomic habits oh, yes. and uh,
0: any know. other books you would recommend um, while we're wrapping up? Uh
1: Why We Sleep.
0: Why we sleep. Okay uh what is a basic uh do you do you remember the author Um, so i don't
1: remember the author but i do know that um he is a a psychologist from Harvard, and these two books are the new york times bestseller um and it basically tells you is why we sleep as human beings like why why our human body did not get rid of sleep as we evolved like sleep is one thing that it's throughout weird. evolutions we just we still hold on to it why why do we require sleep and what happens if you don't sleep the required amounts what are the short term effects of not sleeping what are the long term effects of not sleeping and you know all kinds of other issues that come out from not sleeping and why you should make sleeping a priority
0: i did that when i started teaching mm-hmm. I, but i also shortly after i started teaching i started taking melatonin mm-hmm. and i recently stopped and now i'm having the freaking craziest dreams ever like i had dream the other night core syrup shot two people it was a crazy dream she was like protecting me or something but i was just like woke up and i was like oh man like i but the whole I, like the whole time i was taking the melatonin some people report the opposite i was not dreaming but dream states is just like a a form of consciousness yes and fascinating like
1: it's the just you know sleep is divided into REM sleep and non-REM sleep and you know when you go into the the REM sleep is when you start dreaming and dreaming is actually good that means you're getting enough sleep to have dreams so that's actually a good quality of sleep but um this book actually talks a lot about why like how as we're growing up we make sleep less and less important and why that is bad and you should and I, I think my recent development, my recent interest in sleep has come from being a new mom, right? Because we we had a kid and we went through about nine months of not having any sleep. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was a very, um, I would say very like, it was not a very motivating experience because then you start learning about why sleep is so important and how do you make sleep a priority and I think um, and just learning that sleep is important at every stage of life, like why infants sleep for sixteen hours a day, and why you know adults only get to like seven, eight hours so that's that's something is important to me because I get to talk to my students about it because they don't sleep, yeah. so you know they think oh, that they they have so much to do, and i I know college is really hard like right now, college is like you know taking fifteen hours of classes and having like a full time job, and you know it's it's what they do is incredible like so making them aware of like hey have having good sleep habits is a good long-term thing that you can
0: yes you can go with, did so. you pass on naps when you were a kid and not want to go to bed at night
1: uh, no i was a very obedient kid
0: i was that way i was like i remember being in kindergarten i was actually homeschooled for tw- really? eighth grade, wow. grade but i remember being like i'm taking a nap what are you talking about? And then just like, oh, I can't go to bed. It's like nine o'clock. I'll miss the party. Like but now I'm just like I passed on naps when I was a kid and I would just give anything to take a nap right now at like two o'clock, you know. Yeah.
1: No, I think it's it's important that um that you're aware of of your body. I think it's, you know, as just as an individual, not as like an athlete or like a, a martial artist or anything, just as like what does your brain need to like stop? Because it's important to give it rest, right? Like, there's so much stimulation present around us that we're always thinking, our brain's always racing. So, yes. just having that downtime. And uh, so, yeah, I totally recommend those two books. And uh, well, thank you. My goal is to actually read one book per month. So, by the end of this year, I would have read 12 books at least. So, I'll, I, can, I can give you a list of more books.
0: Okay, I, this is gonna sound crazy, and some of the books that I have on my list are mm-hmm. short. But and I don't have this many books on my list. But I'm going to shoot for 100 books this year. Wow. Okay, but now part of this is like I'm listening to audiobooks. Uh huh. Right, so that's gonna be 100 audiobooks.
1: 100 audiobooks. So okay.
0: in a year from now, I'm gonna try and post like my Audible stats because mm-hmm. th- I just turned on the audio- the Audible, and just since I've been off. I've listened to six books. Really? Yes, just since I've been off. I'm right? going
1: to try Audible. Actually, I'm, I'm kind of interested, curious but Like now. Like
0: during the run, I was listening to The Seal Book. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And like, he's just like telling me about the craziest, like hell week stories. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but it's it just it enhances what I, I the, the mundane, like when I would normally be doing nothing and I've noticed that like, may this be how I am. When I've got the book, like, or I, I listen to music too with mm-hmm. it. I've been trying to listen to whole albums. Like, mm. oh, so I'm going to go listen to this whole album, front to back. But it gets me more active. Like, I can't just sit there and do it. I'm like either writing or exercising at St. Mary's or um, doing some other activity, wa- cleaning something, sweeping. And it's, it's, I feel like that it's gotten me up. It, it gets me up and like wanting to do more it makes, things.
1: It, it's, it's, it stimulates your brain into doing something active and you know something productive, right? And yeah. I think that's a that's a good way of going about it. Like you, like I, I feel like folding laundry is one of my biggest problems. Like I don't like folding laundry. We got a stack in there. and yeah, I and told Core
0: I was like, I will help you with this. Yeah, but
1: you know, yeah. so I I need a lot of motivation to fold laundry, and I know there's like piles and piles of it because we have a small baby, and he just goes through stuff and it's very important we don't have to fold our laundry but i have to fold his laundry. for several so. i
0: joke with Cora, but for several years i had this until she came along and mm-hmm. cleaned my act up uh, i had this two two basket system <laughs> there was, i had these big tubs right and they were like and like one was clean one was dirty that one's clean <laughs> that one's dirty and um when i was in college stuff from the dirty if it was on top it was subjectively dirty i would <laughs> i would investigate and i might wear it again (laughs) but these i've come a long way she's domesticated me yeah uh, i think cora
1: is a good influence not only on like a lot of people but 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 you too I think
0: she is like uh, she's so smart and like just today like when i was making my schedule i was talking to her and she was just kind of giving me insight to how she works you know and like how she sees things and like we're different but at the same time i i pick up things and learn things from her all the time and she is she is a big time reader she could read for a whole day and I'm just not like I'm like a seven to ten page a day kind of guy and like short spurts short spurts but uh, that's why I like the audiobooks they really allow me to engage so
1: you, you should read some science scientific well, literature yeah. too yeah so well yeah I'm The Great
0: Courses of... do you do, do you know any of those are no. there
1: no
0: what are those uh, so like for example my Western Civ 1 textbook mm-hmm. just for you know world history intro level um, it's just a general over uh, survey course textbook from seven different authors but it got made into an audible book called for, by the series called The Great Courses mm. so periodically there will be a very highly peer-reviewed textbook that will get converted in these great courses like one that i have on my wish list is called uh cognitive behavioral therapy and it's from cbt the, yeah, yeah 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 it's from the great courses theory uh our great courses um catalog and it's uh from like they do like all the disciplines mm-hmm. so I, I almost i will look into that great courses on um some of the things we talked about are just physics or just
1: yeah physics you know don't be afraid of anything i think i you know just it's just a book like it's not gonna hurt well, you anyway when right? i jump
0: in like something like yeah. uh like you were saying um mm-hmm. if it's um you, you know f- f- related to like biomechanics or, mm-hmm. or anything that's kind of within my field i'll learn more about yeah everything within you know oh, what's that mean i like, oh, will look into this so anyway yeah yeah. Well, thank you so thank much you for talking so much. with me. I appreciate it, and um, have a great week. And we'll have to do this again. Happy New Year, sure. all of that. Happy so. New Year
1: to you too, and thank you for having me. And uh, I'm sorry, well, I was so nervous. No, about this. no, this, Did, this was it good? Great, Did you enjoy yourself? It's been a great. Experience. Okay, it's a good outlet. So. Thank you. All right, signing off.